Pull those belts tight, put on your helmet, and grab a gear. It's time for another high-speed episode of Race Chaser Media's Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu. Training for a better life. Let's throw the green and send it to the hosts in the studio. This is the part where we start talking, except for the fact that apparently Noah Lewis has the Muppets theme stuck in his head. So I'm not sure he's going to be of any use in this first segment. As it is, however, we'll find a way to make use of him because we've got a show to do. And this is Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, which is training for a better life. And good grief, this roundtable is going to have fun for the next uh, about two hours worth because we're coming off Memorial Day weekend, and if you couldn't find something to talk about in the racing world off this Memorial Day weekend, Tom, my two cents is you're not doing it right. Well, (laughs) I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that uh, those uh, in our audience from outside of the U.S. uh, had their own major events uh, at their own places over the course of the weekend here in the U.S., of course, uh, the big event, uh, two events, Indy 500 and the Coke 600 for the NASCAR Cup Series and a whole bunch of uh, short track events uh, at local and regional tracks around the country here that we could talk about. But uh, as I said uh, before we started the show, I think we could do the entire show just talking about Elio Castroneves' victory lane celebration. That is something I don't think we will ever see again unless he wins a fifth. Well, <laughs> that possibility is suddenly not out of the question now, is it? And we'll, uh, we, we can break down the chances of that potentially happening in uh, a couple of segments here or you know, a future segment coming up in just a little while, Seth. But uh, my goodness, um, Tom, Tom's right. Just the celebration alone was worth the price of admission, let alone the whole race, which was one of the best 500s I think I've ever seen. I just have one question, uh, based on what Tom just said. If he does win a fifth, are you sure they're not going to start tearing down the catch fencing for souvenirs? They've already done that once, Seth. You didn't know that Elio has a piece of the IMS uh, catch fence in his house? No, I'm I'm saying the entire catch fencing, not just a piece. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, That was something actually I learned on social media in the uh, hours after Elio Castroneves celebrating and sprinting up and down the front stretch was he does indeed have a chunk of the IMS catch fence on the wall in his house. Uh, So for the guy named Spider-Man, pretty darn cool souvenir if you ask me. We got to step aside, take a break. We'll come back and start breaking it all down here on the Madness right around the turn. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their car, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. 
Ballin Street? Girlin Street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, this is Ty Ingram, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman joined by Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, and Seth Eggert around the round table this evening. And there is no better place to start this show than the obvious place to start this show, which is, as Tom mentioned right off the top, the Indianapolis 500. And I, I'm, I'm not even going to dig into the race details itself at first Tom I am going to start with a statement that I feel like really encapsulates the entire event and its post race as follows to me that race and that moment that ending was a seminal moment in motorsports history to me that is one of those things races, those moments, those happenings that will transcend as long as any of us live and continue to cover the sport. I mean, you you just could not, Hollywood could not have scripted this ending from Elio leaving Penske to getting picked up by Meyer Shank to even being in contention, let alone actually winning a fourth Indy 500 30 years after his mentor at Penske, Rick Mears, won his fourth 500, and all three former four-time 500 winners were on the grounds and gave congratulations afterwards on Sunday. I mean, if if that's not as close to meant to be as you can have in racing, I don't know what is, to be totally honest with you. It was iconic. Um, first of all, thank you, Roger Penske, for giving up on Elio Castroneves. Uh because that moment wouldn't have been nearly as special if Elio had done it with Roger Penske instead of with Meyer. I think that moment 
was as uh, iconic as any other singular moment in the history of the Indy 500. Um, and the victory lane celebration on the front stretch was something that is uniquely LAO and could never be duplicated by any other driver with the type of emotion, just the raw energy. Um, LAO is 46 years old, Jacob, and uh, I firmly believe that that man could race another five years and probably win two more Indy 500s before he's done, um, provided, obviously, that um, his his body continues to stay in the shape it's in and, and uh, not start to give out on him. But he's just, he, he just, uh, it, it was like he was 20 years old again. It was really quite incredible to watch that battle at the end and him just fighting for the lead and never giving up. Um, you know, Polo was so strong um, and, and, Elio just was not going to be denied. It was really an incredible moment and something that I'm so thankful that I had the chance to, uh, you know, to see and to watch. Uh, and um, that victory lane celebration, like I said, that could never be duplicated by anyone else uh, again. I think maybe if he wins his fifth, he'll run the entire distance of the racetrack. Seth, I think I was saying this to you uh, when I walked in the media center uh at Charlotte Motor Speedway as the celebration was going on that as I was watching on the big screen there, you know, standing in the middle of Charlotte Motor Speedway and seeing that pass for the win play out with two laps to go. And I, I, I'm, I'm certain I said it to you afterwards that as soon as I saw him make that move to the outside and it stuck going into turn one, that that was it. That was the moment that you knew, especially because he had lost two 500s that, to that very same move, one to Ryan hunter Ray and one to Takuma Sato. As soon as that move stuck, I said to myself, that's it. There is no Alex Pillow is getting back to him. That was a win-it-or-wear-it moment. He was going to win that race or crash the car trying, and it stuck, and he won it. The only way he would have crashed the car, the only way would have been a J.R. Hildebrand-style movement off of turn four, but he was not nearly as close to the lap traffic as uh, J.R. was a decade ago, for one. And for another, uh, Castro Nevis is a veteran, while J.R. back then was still a rookie, and J.R. made a rookie mistake back then. That being said, it was... It was iconic, it was history-making, it was history-tying moment. And just seeing the raw emotion, not just from Elio, but to steal a line from uh, Mike Joy, as you did on Twitter uh, post-race, every man on every crew was celebrating that win. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house, Noah. I don't think there was anybody that was disappointed that Elio Castroneves won that race. I, I think Simon Pagano said it best. You know, he said it on social. If I couldn't win that race, I wanted it to be you. And I think pretty much that was the sentiment from the entirety of IndyCar. I lost count of how many drivers, how many dignitaries 
were in that, I'll call it what it was, in that mob scene on the front straightaway as Elio was just losing his mind celebrating. It was it was one of the coolest things of beauty I have ever seen play out on live TV. And what I loved most about that is nobody forced an interview down his throat. No, you know, the, the TV cameras let it play out. And it took 15 minutes and Roger Penske himself finally tapping Elio on the shoulder and going, you know, we really do have to get you to victory lane eventually. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's hard to find anyone. And I'm not sure if you can find anyone that did not want to see what we saw on Sunday. Uh, just the pure emotion. We talked about it just a few weeks ago in our IndyCar preview um, for our Indy 500 race and and it, just how special it would be to see Elio in victory lane once again getting that fourth win. Uh, and, and then it came true. It came to reality, and we did see it. And like you said, Jacob, it was perfect um, from us, you know, Peter, you and I. In the, uh, in the Charlotte Motor Speedway infield, sat there watching on the big screen on the back straightaway, just like old times. Great to be back in that infield. Um, and then walking into the media center, and it seems like, you know, you'd think that walking to the media center from our parking lot, that victory would, you know, the, at least the celebration would be, oh, no, it had just begun uh, for Helio Castroneves. He was out there for a number of minutes after that. And, uh, and I loved the, the quote on TV where they said, at some point when we come back from our commercial break, we will catch up with your Indy 500 winner, but there is no rush right now. So it was just perfect. You're, you're right. It, it couldn't be scripted any better uh, than what we saw happen in the Indy 500 uh, post-race. Tom, I think we need to say thank you, don't we, to the NBC uh, production crew, Sam Flood and everybody at NBC for the job they did in letting that moment, letting, I, I don't even want to call it theater because it was all it was all true. It was what it was. It was genuine. But letting that play out on the silver screen and not, as, as we mentioned, forcing a front stretch interview or rushing him to victory lane. I mean, it wouldn't have been what it was, I feel like, without that playing out the way it did. That was literally the definition of professionalism and sound judgment when it comes to programming and as you say letting the moment happen instead of interfering in it um you're right that's you hit it right on the head nbc played that out brilliantly um you know i i have some other you know maybe things that I think NBC could do better as far as their overall coverage. But that moment, Jacob, they, they nailed it right on the head and it was just, it was incredible. It was. And I, I love how we've gotten through an entire opening segment talking about the victory lane celebration. And we haven't even scratched the surface on what went on in the race itself, which to me just speaks to how, much of a race, how much actually went on over the course of 500 miles and beyond. And when we get back from our commercial break that's coming here in just a minute, we'll start to dig a little deeper into this 500, which I've said it myself, several of us, I think, on Sunday called it an all-time 500, one of the best, if not the best, we've ever seen. So we're going to do that. We're going to step aside. We're going to get a little business done. And when we return more on the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500 here on Motorsports Madness. 
You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the Track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Motorsports Sales Professionals. Performance Motorsports is looking to build a team of experienced media sales professionals to represent our programming to the industry's top companies, magazines, and racing series. If you have motorsports sales or marketing experience, know how to work with agencies, understand social media, and are incredibly creative when it comes to working with clients and promotions, then we want to hear from you. Top performers are richly rewarded. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444. That's 717-749-0444. Or email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. You want to ask for Sue. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses. Because it's not rocket science, it's My Computer Career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu, that's mycomputercareer.edu. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, this is Spencer Boyd, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert, Tom Baker around tonight's roundtable. And uh, right now, breaking down the Memorial Day Classic that was the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500. And I feel like we ought to just go uh, right back to the beginning, Tom, and kind of take this from the top because... The front row, which was Scott Dixon, Colton Herta, and Rennes VK, all ran into problems that took them out of contention after any one of the three of them could have been potential favorites. Dixon in particular, though, just snake bit on 
Sunday. You know, he gave up the lead a couple laps early to try and save fuel, and it uh, it ultimately bit him when he made his first pit stop because of the timing of a caution flag. Steph Wilson crashing at the entrance to pit road. Dixon having to come down for emergency service because he ran out of fuel. They couldn't get the car refired. He falls a lap down and can just never recover from that, had to use alternate pit strategy late in the race to even give himself any sort of a chance at a decent finish. Ends up, I think, 17th. But for a driver and a six-time champion who led so many practice sessions, won the pole, led carb day, we thought this was it. This was Dixon's race to lose. And he didn't lose it, but... They say that IMS and the 500 choose, choose their winners, and it did not choose Scott Dixon just because of that first caution where everything went wrong. Well, I mean, I never thought that this was a lock for Scott Dixon because, number one, the fastest card rarely wins the Indy 500 if you look at it. Um, and the way that the field shook out this year with the level of competition, I mean, you know, it's really tough to be the rabbit. And that's why you saw Scott back off pretty quickly and try to conserve some fuel. He was trying to be smart. But again, as you say, the, you know, the Indy 500 chooses its winners. It's just it's hard to win the Indy 500. That's why it's so iconic when you do. And when you're, you know, Elio Castroneves or you're AJ Foyt or you're Rick Mears and you've won the thing three, four times, it's, it's just an incredible um, feat because it's just a race that is a true test of man and machine, even still to this day. Um, too many things can go wrong, as you said, Stephanie, and the timing couldn't have been worse uh, for Scott Dixon. So this just wasn't his year to be the rabbit and win the race. No, it wasn't, Noah. And, uh, you know, you look at the young guns, and, and, and I think I said this during the race to somebody, that you could really see the youth versus experience battle kind of play out all afternoon. There was one point where the top five, you had, I think, VK, Connor Daly, uh, Colton Herter was up there. Um, Pato Award was up there at one point. Uh, there was one other um, that's escaping me currently. It, it was like five young guns, though, and then you had Ryan hunter Ray and Elio Castroneves lurking back there, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, youth can lead the 500, but more often than not, experience wins the 500, and that was what we saw. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt that in, in this race, you, you, the more experience that you have, the better off you are. But it is great to see these young guns, these, these younger drivers that are, you know, not they don't have as many laps at the track as, as these other guys do. Get up there and mix it up a little bit and give us something to talk about and something to be excited for, because these are the guys that we're going to see in this event for many years to come. A lot of them are. And and uh, and it just has to make you so excited to uh, to wonder who was actually going to finally seal that deal and and stay up front. Um, but to piggyback off of what Tom was saying, it's it's completely correct uh, that this race, you know, you just you never know. There's so many elements in it within pit stops and strategy and 
and and you know we we didn't expect to see scott dixon have to come down for emergency service and just so many things that get thrown at you over 500 miles in indianapolis that uh that you can never really pick a fair i mean you can pick a favorite but you can never really bank on that favorite ended up in victory lane graham rahal seth was another one uh that fell by the wayside that had a very, very, very fast race car for the first half of the race and was just climbing himself into the top five with a shot when it uh, came down pit road right after the halfway point, uh, and they didn't get the left rear tire tight on the car. Tire comes off as he's on the access road, leaving pit road in turn two. He spins up the track, hits the wall, and... That's the end of that, and still, after 14 tries, Graham Rahal, not an Indianapolis 500 champion, and I think I could tell it in his IndyCar radio interview this year, maybe not so much previous years, but this year for sure, he felt like he had a car that could contend to win the race, and you don't get opportunities like that at Indy very often, and Graham knows it. Yeah, and... uh... It, it was one of those races where everything that happened that took people out of contention was on pit road. Whether it was uh, Stephen Wilson crashing on pit entrance, Scott Dixon and Alexander Rossi both running out of fuel on pit road, Graham Rahal them not getting the, the left rear tightened properly, and as a result, when the tire came off and went rolling down the track, it also uh, was hit by Connor Daly. Uh, it Damaged Connor's front wing, cracked it. Uh, his car was never the same afterwards. Uh, I I remember asking, saying to someone, I wonder, even with the time they would have lost on pit road, if they had changed the wing, if maybe he could have gotten back up there, especially with the way the strategy was playing out. Uh, Daly led uh, the first laps of his Indy 500 career uh, this year, Something that even his father, Derek Daly, never did before. But for Graham, uh, it, it's tough. I mean, it, it was almost like watching uh, the way races have gone away from Marco Andretti in recent years. Uh, for Graham to have such a fast car only for a freak incident to take him out of contention. And Tom, you you look at this, and I'll I'll get to Marco Andretti in a minute, but uh, going back to Connor Daly, not only did he lead the first laps of his Indy 500 career, he led the most laps in Sunday's Indy 500, which for a kid from Noblesville, Indiana, who a couple years ago we thought was totally on the way out of IndyCar, was a huge statement, I feel like, and to me is the moment where we look at Connor Daly, and if anybody ever had any doubts that Connor Daly belongs, not just in the Indy 500, but in IndyCar, in a regular full-time opportunity, screw that. Connor Daly arrived on Sunday, even if he didn't get the result that he deserved for how good that race car was. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Connor, Connor is a driver that I think we've all been sort of waiting for that moment when he gets the full-time ride and has that breakout moment where we all go, okay, this is the Connor Daly that we thought could, could exist and thought could, could do this IndyCar thing. Um, And I think we finally, finally, finally saw that with Connor on Sunday um, in a very real way. 
you know, this is a driver who is as capable of winning the Indy 500 or any other Indy car race as anybody else in the field. He's just always needed the equipment and the opportunity to really uh, kind of settle in and begin to show it. And uh, that was fun to watch him on Sunday. Very aggressive and but very smart about, you know, his aggression. He, I don't, didn't feel like he was, you know, putting the car at risk or anyone else at risk. He just took his shots when he thought he had them. And uh, man, he was fun to watch. I mean, he was part of that group of a half dozen or so drivers that throughout the race kind of came and came and went uh, at different points that really made it one of the most exciting 500s in recent history. Noah, was it disappointing, do you think, to see, if, uh, and kind of like we talked about with Dixon earlier, all the speed that Ed Carpenter Racing had throughout the month, and then just, you know, not to have any of the circumstances go right for them come race day? I know Ed got an okay finish, but, you know, Rennes to, to fall out of it late, uh, you had obviously the, the tire literally falling out of the sky for for Daly, and it, it just seemed like one of those where... We're ready, we're ready, we're ready, and, well, this didn't work like we planned it to. Yeah, isn't that isn't that always fun when that happens, Jacob? Yeah, it, it was kind of surprising and a little disappointing. I'm sure very disappointing for the team after they had such speed uh, throughout the weekends and, and weeks prior to the Indianapolis 500. But, again, that's I go back to my point earlier. There are so many elements in this race that uh, that, that come throughout it. And, uh, and really change the concept of it, really change the landscape and change who's up front and, and, and who's running fast uh, by the time we hit the racetrack and we're in the groove of racing. Um, you know, you can be very fast in practice speeds and in qualifying speeds and things like that. Of course, we did see Ed still finishing in the top five, uh, finishing fifth. But, but come race time, you've got to hit all cylinders. You've got to hit everything right. And sometimes it just doesn't all come together. So, yeah, disappointing a little bit for Ed Carpenter Racing after showing such speed. But then again, this is the Indy 500, so nothing's a given. No, nothing is a given. Nothing was a given on Sunday, and and we saw that across the board, whether it was uh, those who ended up in contention in the final laps or those who fell out of contention as the race wound into its closing stages. We are coming up on another commercial break, and we'll take that here in just a moment, and when we return, we'll dig deeper into the battle for the win, and a driver that I think up until this year, a lot of people were not necessarily familiar with. We'll talk about Alex Pillow and his quest to win the Indy 500 as a young gun when we come back. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke. 
302-827-2054. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-race com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way if you own a gun you have a full-time responsibility when you aren't using it be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children troubled teenagers a thief or anyone else who might misuse it your family friends and neighbors are all counting on you remember always lock it up For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Ross Chastain. You're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Zielman, Tom Baker, Seth Eggert, Noah Lewis. Still around tonight's roundtable talking motorsports and continuing to discuss and break down the Indianapolis 500 from over the weekend. And one more thing that I want to uh, touch on, Tom, before we get to Alex Pillow and that battle that he had with Elio down the home stretch of the race is you talk about Elio leaving Team Penske, and good grief, at least for this year, he picked a pretty darn good time to do it because I think we all thought, despite how Penske looked for most of the month and despite that they didn't qualify well and struggled for some pace, that, you know, it's Penske. They'll figure it out come race day. And I think I was probably among the most shocked that we got to race day and... They never really figured it out. I mean, Scott McLaughlin was the best of the bunch and ended up with a top 10 finish and Rookie of the Year honors. But aside from Scotty Mack, I mean, I don't feel like we even talked about the three guys who are always in the conversation for Penske. Will Power had his issues, and we weren't sure, you know, if he was ever going to take the start. He was able to, thankfully. But Pagano and Newgarden were just nowhere all day. It was shockingly bizarre is the best way I can think of to put it. I just, I I would never have thought we would have an Indy 500 race day where Penske would have just missed it, quite frankly. 
Well, they've had a few over the years, and this just never did set up from the beginning, even practice qualifying. I mean, it, this just was not a Penske year um, at Indianapolis. It just wasn't. Uh, I mean, Simon Pagano made a little bit of a run um, at one point, and we thought, well, maybe he's you know going to climb through the field and um, – he got to Scotty Mack, I think. And at one point I want to even say, I think he passed him, but you know, none of the Penske cars were that fantastic. The reason that I think um, Scotty McLaughlin's performance is worthy of note is because it was his first at the 500. So, you know, I thought he did very well for being a rookie and being in a group of cars that Penske, you know, from team Penske that really weren't the best cars Penske's brought to Indy in recent memory. So Jacob, I, I mean, it was I, honestly, I saw what I expected to see based upon how the months went. I just didn't expect the Penske cars to contend. You and I, we talked on this show last week that you thought Scotty would get a top 10 and, um, I mean, he, you know, he basically was, was worthy of that and, and at least made it, you know, a, a, a first 500 to remember, but um, you're right. The other guys just really never got off the starting gate uh, to the point where you expect Penske to be competitive. Shifting gears now a little bit to talk about the driver that, um, and I'll even admit this, when he came into IndyCar last year, I did not know much about Alex Pillow, I hadn't really ever heard the name, but he, in a year and change, has made such an impact on the NTT IndyCar Series, Tom. This is a young man from Spain who I, we all, I think, kind of tipped our heads and went, you're hiring him to Chip Ganassi when he tabbed Pillow to take over the NTT Data car, the 10 car, and... Polo has rewarded that with a race victory already this season, a runner-up in the Indy 500. He's the points leader now going to the Grand Prix of Detroit at Belle Isle this weekend. I mean, and he's a driver. This is what I loved most about what I saw out of Alex Polo on Sunday. He wasn't afraid to be aggressive, but it was calculated aggression. He knew how far he could push and get away with it. And it's that kind of a skill, much like we've seen with Scott Dixon over the years, that will give you a very long and very successful IndyCar career. And I think what we saw on Sunday was a harbinger of things to come for young Alex Pillow, who I believe that this was not a fluke. He is going to be in contention, and I believe will win in Indianapolis 500 sooner rather than later. Yeah. I uh, totally agree with, I think Alec is a driver. He and Renus VK both strike me actually as drivers who are future Indy champions, potentially. I just think those two, um, the way that they drive, the way that they approach things and their personalities and their preparation, I think those two stood out to me. And have really all year, honestly, as um, the most impressive of the young group of drivers that uh, IndyCar currently has. 
And, you know, I thought Alex's run at the end of that race. I mean, Jacob, you and I have watched a ton of these things over the years. That's a very big stage to be on. And you're very aware when you're out there racing that this is the Indy 500. This is the greatest spectacle in racing. And it's down to the last, you know, 15, 20 laps. And it's time to go or, you know, checkers or wreckers. And Alex Pillow, I thought, drove like he'd been driving for 10 years. Um, you know, I was waiting for him to make the big mistake, and he never did. I mean, did did he did he lose the race? Yes. But um, it wasn't because, you know, he put it in the wall or did anything stupid. It was just because Elio Castroneves was that much faster and, and was able to, um, you know, to, to have maybe even a little more resolve uh, and experience at the race. I, I think Alex and, and VK are both future stars in this series. And I think um, I think they're going to their popularity is going to soar really quickly over the course of the rest of the season. Seth, I feel like if you're a fan of Chip Ganassi racing and those of us in the media, I think we've all been wondering, you know, because eventually no, no matter how good the Iceman is, no matter how long he can prolong his fitness and be Tom Brady-like and be in contention in IndyCar, at some point, Scott Dixon is going to retire. And I feel like the, una the unasked question to this point has been, well, when Scott Dixon does retire, who on earth is going to step up at Chip Ganassi Racing and become the next guy? To me, we found that next guy on Sunday, and it's Alex Pillow. I actually think we may have found him sooner than Sunday. It's just none of us really paid enough attention or realized it, for that matter. Because Alex has had some brilliant performances. I mean, he won earlier this season. He's run well, whether it was at Barber, whether it was at uh, St. Petersburg, Texas, etc. And... He definitely is one of the drivers who I think there's almost a changing of the guard uh, starting in IndyCar, in, uh, for that matter, F1 and even NASCAR as well. But uh, over on the IndyCar side, I think he is a part of that next generation. Him, uh, maybe Connor Daly, and a few others as well, who are this younger generation. I mean, uh, yes, I'm talking Connor Daly and... Uh, even Graham Marayhall, even though they've been in IndyCar for a while, they haven't been there as long as uh, Scott Dixon, for that matter. And just one other note on Chip Ganassi, one of their other drivers, Marcus Erickson, he must be uh, talking a what-if situation or what ha happened. Him and Takuma Sato both uh, went 42 laps on fuel, pitted with 42 to go, and somehow ended up uh, seven to eight laps short on fuel at the end of the race. And for a while, I thought the two of them were going to steal the Indy 500 from Pelot and from Castroneves. I never got that sense, Noah. I, I, I never really felt like it was realistic to think that either of those guys could stretch it 42 laps. Yeah, they had done it 
earlier in the race, but that's in a draft scenario where you're not necessarily having to lead and be all out, and there wasn't a lot of draft that they could sniff at the tail end. But I do agree with Seth that uh, if you're a guy like Takuma Sato and that was the only play you had left, I was kind of a little disappointed that we didn't see a little bit more raw speed out of Sato on Sunday. He was kind of there, but on the fringes of being there. It wasn't like we, you know, like the last couple 500s that he's won where we've gone, oh my gosh, there's Takuma Sato. He just kind of... I guess lurked all day, but never really made his presence felt like I thought from the defending 500 winner. Yeah, you you definitely would expect that. You'd you'd think that you'd see that out of Takuma Sato, but again, it's it's so things changed so much over uh, this time less than a year's time in this race, and we do see so many people go through up and down um, runnings of this race where you go from a winner to not really a contender. Um, year over year, and then you come back a few years later, and you're back in that mix again. So I, I have no fear that Takuma Sato uh, in future Indianapolis 500s will be right back up there, um, mixing it up once again. I do want to say, on the note of Takuma Sato, um, that he, I, I didn't get a chance to see this, but I heard that they, when they announced him, they let him go out by himself to wave to the fans or something along that nature as the uh, as the winner last year without fans in the stands. And I just want to say, if that was the case, and that is a really cool thing by IndyCar to break a little bit of tradition and, uh, and let Takuma have that moment. That was actually accurate, Tom. We talked about that during our preview show a week ago, um, how they were going to do that. And, and it's so fitting. And that was the other thing, too, that was so striking was... Yeah, okay, it was only 135,000 people, although to be fair, it looked like more than 135,000 people, if I'm being honest. But regardless, to have a crowd, fans, the energy back at the Indianapolis 500, and to hear all of that in the closing laps and after the race, it just made it right again, so long overdue. For sure. I mean, you can't look um, both in the end, Charlotte, uh, the crowds were just so supportive and so energetic. And again, this was kind of the return. Right. And um, I mean, everything's not perfect, but it's better. And, you know, Indy 500 without a crowd like we had last year was just another race. It lost a lot of its magic and its energy. And wow, was that crowd uh, energized and just, I mean, it just felt like Indy again. Um, Really an incredible day there. And then, of course, uh, followed it up at Charlotte um, with a huge crowd at the 600. And again, a lot of energy there as well. So, um, I mean, I just, uh, I felt like the whole day was, again, it's not perfect, Um, They weren't capacity crowds, but my goodness, it was just great to hear the roar of the fans again. And and you could hear them um, at numerous points throughout the race when, you know, when big things happened. Um, And especially at the end with Elio when he retook the lead. Um, I mean, you could just hear the the crowd behind him and and understanding what they were about to witness. That was really incredible. Honestly, I thought the whole day was. I've always appreciated when you have a crowd that you can actually hear over the television broadcast, over the roar of the engines in the closing laps. That's when you know you're doing something truly special, and I feel like 
You know, we have that every year at Indianapolis, but we had that even more so on Sunday because it was two years since fans had been able to take in that spectacle to be a part of one of the most magical moments in all of sports. And that just kind of, for me, brought the whole thing full circle and really made it a lot of, like you said, Tom, what it was on Sunday afternoon. We're going to take another break. When we come back, one more thought on the 500, then we shift gears to Charlotte. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. Strike two. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Yeehaw. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Seth Eggert, Noah Lewis on tonight's program as we continue 
talking Memorial Day weekend, and I uh, wanted to touch on one or two more things on the 500 before we transition to Charlotte. Seth, you brought it up uh, in our group chat during the break, but um, having Peretta Autosport with the partnership with Team Penske at Indy, having Simona Di Silvestro come back to Indy, put a female driver back in the field. Yeah, the result on paper maybe wasn't what they hoped it would be, but they survived other than the uh, issue on pit road it was an uneventful 500 and i don't think there's a sense at all that this was a one and done type of a deal for beth peretta she wants to be a part of the sport for the long haul and uh, i believe this was the first step in what is hopefully a long tenure in indycar racing for that team yeah i think they definitely laid a good foundation and made a statement that they belong here which they absolutely do uh as far as uh, the issue that Simona had on pit road with the brakes locking up. Uh, thinking back now, actually, uh, all of the Penske and Penske-related cars had the same issue. Will Power uh, lost brakes going into pit road? That's why McLaughlin uh, got a uh, speeding penalty on pit road. Uh, Simona wrecked on pit road because of it. So I wonder if it was something endemic to the Penske camp with their brakes now that I think about it. Uh, but that being said, and that being an aside, uh, Simona ran well. I think she had gotten up to the top 15 before that break issue. So she and Preda Allsport, they they had some good pit stops. They didn't have the fastest, but again, they're a new team. That's going to happen. And they're, they were decently competitive on and off pit road. I loved seeing it. Uh, I think it was... Pippa Mann, who uh, said on social that given all the strides that women have made through the years at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that it just felt right to not only have that team, but have Simona back in the field for an Indianapolis 500. How uh, how strange it was last year that we didn't have a female attempt to qualify or, or you know race in the show, largely because of the pandemic. So a lot of good things surrounding that team. One final thought on the 500 right after these words on Motorsports Madness. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? 
That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. Strike two. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Oh. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot, but he didn't lose his heart. When you tackle a challenge that you just cannot even fathom tackling, when you accomplish that, the amount of integrity and the will and the heart that you'll get from that experience is what will set you up for your life. In less time than it took Marlon Shirley to say that, he can now run 100 meters because today he's the world's fastest amputee. Overcome, pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hi, I'm Cody Connor, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, uh, Seth Eggert, Noah Lewis remaining with you as we continue on tonight's show. And the the final point here that I wanted to make, Tom, uh, regarding Elio Castroneves and Meyer Shank Racing, there's already been talk of does Elio come back for a fifth. I think it could be more than that. I think we could potentially see Elio Castroneves back for a full year in IndyCar in 2022 with Meyer Shank because the goal, from what I've heard, is they want to build that second car out to make a two-car team because Meyer Shank Racing is supporting a young driver in the road to Indy right now by the name of Braden Eves, who had to sit out most of last year after being injured in a crash, I believe, at Indianapolis uh, during a uh, Indy Pro 2000 race, I think it was. And Braden is working on climbing the ladder scholarship to scholarship, and the possibility would exist uh, if he goes to Indy Lights next year and does well that we could see him maybe take over from Elio in a year or two. Well, I would expect that, actually, and I'm glad you mentioned Brayden because that young man has a ton of talent, and uh, that crash that he had was a nasty crash. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to see that he's uh, recovered from it, and I'm I'm anxious to see, you know, where he can go. But, yeah, I think uh, you could very well see Elio back for a full season, and I think um, – what a mentor. I mean, imagine having Elio Castroneves as your mentor. I mean, that, that would be the ultimate dream, I would think, for an IndyCar uh, hopeful like Braden. And, you know, I believe that uh, Meyer Shank is establishing itself quickly as a serious contender in this series. Um, you know, if they can just get the right, uh, uh, the right pieces in the right place. Uh, and I, I, again, I, I think that should be a foregone conclusion that uh, Elio comes back for a fifth 500 and it would be nice to see him run some more shows this year. Um, 
but uh, who really knows where that goes, obviously. But I would love to see him come back full-time. That's, he never wanted to leave. Uh, Roger just kind of sent him packing, sadly. I mean, he did win a sports car championship, but that wasn't really what he was interested in. And, um, you know, I'm glad to see him getting a second uh, rebirth here with uh, Meyer Shank. Indeed. We'll step aside and be back with more Motorsports Madness in just a couple of minutes. Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, post it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color corrected edit it code it repurpose it tweet it blog it post it compress it upload it replay it or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in you need to attend carolina school of broadcasting the skills you will learn the experience you will get and the connections you will make at carolina school of broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management call or come by today click csb radiotv.edu everyone knows strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider Complete Motorcycle Air Suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider Air Shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at Strutmasters.com. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert, as we now shift gears from a thrilling Indianapolis 500 to NASCAR weekend at 
Charlotte Motor Speedway, headlined by the Coca-Cola 600, and I will uh, juxtapose this as follows. And I'll start with Noah, because uh, everybody at this table except for Tom was able to be in the infield. Tom, I know you uh, certainly missed it, but Noah, if the Indy 500 gave us everything that we wanted out of a race, out of an event. Honestly, I left Charlotte Motor Speedway Sunday night slash early Monday morning feeling extremely unfulfilled. It was a lackluster, honestly disappointing 600 in my eyes, saved almost solely by the fact that we were able to talk about Hendrick Motorsports taking the all-time Cup Series wins record from, from Petty Enterprises. I mean, aside from that, just the racing on the track to me wasn't good, and, you know, God bless Kyle Larson, but he stomped him. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... It's it's truly hard to follow up what we saw at Indy and just how that ended and how pumped we were heading into the next big event of the night because of how how uh, how high spirited it was down in Indianapolis and then to follow it up with like you said Jacob yeah a lackluster uh, Coca Cola 600 and, and what we've seen in years past and compared to this year uh, so you know if you ask Kendrick Motorsports like you mentioned you ask them this was the best 600 that they've been a part of um, not only for for their dominance of having all cars inside the top five at the finish, but also just like you mentioned, getting to that 269 mark and uh, and jumping over Petty Enterprises, and and then Kyle Larson and his dominance continuing, and him able to seal the deal with that win. So uh, if you ask Kendrick Motorsports, they'll they'll have no problems with Sunday night. But we did see something that. Um, was a, was a bit uncharacteristic. We've seen it at some points in years past, but it, it really was an uneventful 600. Um, Kyle Larson dominated, like you said. Uh, he he even said with the package that he didn't even think he had maybe the most dominant car. He didn't. I mean, he obviously did in the race, but but uh, he felt that just the advantage of starting up front and being able to get to the front really helped him uh, hold that dominance. And and so. Last time we see this package on the track at Charlotte, obviously going to next gen next year, and I am excited for that just to, to for better hopes of a better racing and better product at Charlotte Motor Speedway because I think the package really did factor in a little bit of what we saw on the Coca-Cola 600 uh, this last weekend. But, but I don't know. It, it, it's just very hard to follow up what we saw in Indy for sure. Seth, we talked about fans a little earlier and touched on that a bit. From your vantage point and what you felt, I mean, did you feel like the energy was back uh, in a way that obviously uh, none of us had had the chance to experience uh, until Sunday night with being back uh, down in the middle of the fray again, finally? Yeah, uh, I want to say it was somewhere around 75% capacity, just looking from where we were in the infield in the media center, uh, even from the garage area. Uh, I... I even saw some fans in the garage area, now that I think about it, and Pit Road as well, uh, which actually kind of surprised me. I I knew there were going to be some VIP guests uh, that were sponsor-related, but uh, there were some that I know were fans, and that it, it just caught me off guard that there were fans back in the infield uh, because it's been, God, uh, what was it, uh... 466 days is that what kelly crandall estimated uh since we all did this so uh, just based on that it, it 
it almost felt weird. Uh, I don't want to use the term alien, but it almost felt like uh, uh, so we returned home, so to speak, from a uh, very, very, very long vacation. Yeah, I definitely agree with, uh, look, uh, from, I think I mentioned this earlier, I mean, from a fan standpoint, um, and again, you guys were able to be there. I was watching on TV because I had another race earlier in the day, but um, I it, it looked to me like Charlotte again. And, and again, the, the, the military presence, the, the, all of the pre-race fanfare, which I know uh, Noah wants to talk about, but you know, for me, I agree with you, Jacob, to, to get back to the product on track for a minute. I think we've, <laughs> we've reached the point where 600 miles is no longer a test of, man and machine in the 600 um at in nascar i mean it's 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 very um you know to me it's very obvious that these cars could go 800 miles uh if they had to and honestly you know i remember the days when drivers used to get out of the car and fall over and need oxygen and all of this um you know and this was across the board it wasn't just you know the the ones who ate you know the most uh, burgers and fries during the week um you know it, this is no longer a, a a test uh to 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 my mind this is really just a longer race and it's it's not much of a challenge it, and i'm not berating it i'm just kind of it kind of is amazing to me that we've reached that point whereas i think in indy the 500 still you know, again, is 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 very difficult to complete. This race is nothing. You only saw a couple of cautions and and uh, you know very little in terms of parts failures or whatever. Uh, it's really kind of amazing that we've hit that point, Noah. And I know you want to talk a little bit about um, you know the the infield and and some of the, your perspective from being there and in, in the pre-race part of it as well. Yeah, first I'll piggyback off of a little bit of what you're saying there, Tom. And, and you know, it, it's interesting because we do have the element of stage racing now. And, and it's like, do we really, you know, there are some races, and I think road courses being one of them, that we go to. And I think, I just wish sometimes that we don't really throw the caution and throw that wrench in. And maybe that we award points on a particular lap. And then everyone knows that they're awarded those points. But we keep going. And one of those races is the 600 just because, um, you know, there's so much strategy that gets broken up and we have four stages and we can talk a little bit about that later, but, but I, I do want to say, um, in, I don't know, it, it just, you know, with, with the stages, it, it could be, it could go either way because you could have a dominant car like Larson out front and, and it not get broken up. But I think that I, I preferred the strategy of going straight out and them having to work as long as they have to. But yes, to my, uh, pit road experience, we had so many people down in the infield, um, this weekend, Pitbull, Jay Leno, a couple football players and, and different people. And I do want to say that from being on pit road pre-race, we, we saw it on TV with Indy and just how amazing it looked. But to hear the stands in Charlotte, Chase Elliott introduced in driver intros and the place is roaring. Uh, you could hear his intro nine miles down the street, I feel like. And, um, and then the booze for Kyle Busch, of course. But all of the festivities were so missed last year. Tom, you talked about it a little bit. 
uh, with the military salute and things like that. And that place was just electric. There, there is a difference um, when you don't have that. Rick Hendrick called it a test session of sorts. It feels like coming to test when you don't have fans in the stands, and it just doesn't feel right. So I did want to hit on that from my experience of just being on pit road and taking it all in and being able to scan the grandstands pre-race and, and just see how pumped up fans were to be back in the stands and just knowing from inside the infield, inside the media center, how pumped Jacob and uh, and Seth and Peter and I were just to be amongst each other's presence once again for the first time since Daytona 2020. Everything just felt right, and I'm so glad that we've gotten to that point, Jacob. No, I agree with that, and I know Seth has some thoughts on the race, and uh, I'm afraid if I cut him loose now, it'll uh, take us well over our uh, allotment of time uh, before we have to uh, fit in a break, so I'm going to ask him to hold until we get back on the other side of the break, but I think from my vantage point, uh, no, I agree. It uh, it just felt right to have the fans back, and uh, funny enough, I actually got a chance to have a brief moment uh, with Marcus Smith uh, chatting with him on pit road as he was waiting for Kyle Larson to go to victory lane. And I said, I said to Marcus, I said, do you feel like this uh, kind of having the fans back, and it, you know, this is the first step towards a new beginning for the sport? And he he kind of gave a half smile to me. He goes, Yeah, I do. I think there's a lot to uh, look forward to going forward from this, and I think we. Can can all agree on that. Back with more after this. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more, but the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Motorsports sales professionals. Performance Motorsports is looking to build a team of experienced media sales professionals to represent our programming to the industry's top companies, magazines, and racing series. If you have motorsports sales or marketing experience, know how to work with agencies, understand social media, and are incredibly creative when it comes to working with clients and promotions, then we want to hear from you. Top performers are richly rewarded. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444. That's 717-749-0444. Or email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. You want to ask for Sue. You are a waste. A loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including 
front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Seth Eggert, Noah Lewis, Tom Baker still with you as we continue rocking and rolling through some conversation about NASCAR weekend at Charlotte, the other half of Memorial Day weekend, if you will. Seth, you have race thoughts, and I'm just going to turn you loose. Go. Well, for one, I keep saying, and I know Tom disagrees with me, but... The stages should not have been equal. Uh, granted, making the last stage longer wouldn't have done much. It would have at least opened the door for some pitch strategy. You saw Brad Keselowski, uh, Matthew Benedetto, and a handful of others in the first stage try some pitch strategy. And it didn't work. And then the final three stages, everyone had the same exact strategy. Nothing changed. Granted, they didn't get the caution they were hoping for in the first stage. However, with equal stages, it doesn't give much option for people to run long, run uh, short pit, etc. That being said, the lack of racing to a certain point was in part a combination of the aero package and the traction compound, or more, or to a certain point. I guess, untraction, because it depended on where you were uh, on track. It, it made the middle lane the preferred groove, which is where everyone raced. And with this uh, aero package, it was hard to break through that air bubble, for one. And it made the underfunded teams a lot more obvious how painfully slow they were. I'm going to use David Starr as an example. He was the only one uh, brought to pit road for minimum speed issues. He lost four laps on pit road. He lost 27 laps on track. Uh, Tom, I know you're chomping at the bit to uh, uh, debate, so go ahead. Well, I, it really is the debate. I just wanted to clarify since you, you know, said I disagree. I don't disagree with your point about the strategy. Um, surely uneven stages allow for the possibility of strategy. My only point was, is this race really thrives or has always thrived on the endurance test factor. And in recent years, we the cars are just too good now. They don't break. The drivers are able to get through the 600 miles. I mean, unless it's super, super hot, which it wasn't over the weekend. It was actually a nice day and evening for it. Um, 
And so I think while, yes, changing the stage lengths would allow for more strategy, um, at the end of the day, that would have been the only thing that might have possibly made it more interesting because the racing itself with this car, with this package is just not great on the, on the speedways. And, and again, the, the aspect of it being the longest race doesn't really matter anymore because the cars don't have any issues going the distance um, and they don't race well. So, strategy to me while it's a valid point just feels like kind of grasping at straws because ultimately i don't care what strategy you put everybody on kyle larson kicks everybody's butt in this race uh in my opinion jacob fair enough now uh to f uh, expand on a point that seth started to make in his comments i want to go around the table tom then seth and then noah can be the caboose on this one um is it time to have a discussion about tra slower traffic, about the minimum speed rule? Some of these cars, as, as Seth mentioned, David Starr was one that lost 27 laps on track. To me, that's a little bit excessive. I mean, the closing rate and several of the drivers, I had a piece uh, yesterday uh, with comments from several of the front runners who believed the closing rate on some of these slower cars was a little bit excessive, and, and I felt like at times it was borderline dangerous tom is it time that we have and we'll go around the table is it time that we have a discussion about minimum speed and either getting some of these you know teams that maybe don't have the resources either up to snuff or being more you know being more strict about if you can't run at least to minimum speed we're gonna park you well see i always thought we did have a minimum speed and we we, we did you know, now i feel like I'll, I'll say this, I that uh, NASCAR has NASCAR has not been publicizing what that number is here of late, and I think situations like Sunday night kind of explain why, because they've been now selectively enforcing it recently. Well, see, that's kind of where my point was going to go, is I feel like we always have had a minimum speed, but we seem to just be ignoring it. And the answer is yes, in all caps, bold, italicized, and underlined. Um, I mean, it's, it's just not safe having these cars like that um, that are, you know, laps and laps and laps down I understand that some teams struggle to have all the new tires and, you know, the resources that you need, but you know, this idea that everybody should be able to compete at the cup level, Seth, just because they want to, um, this is supposed to be the premier division. And I think it's time we get back to making it such, I know that somebody's going to say, well, back in the 70s, you had cars. That were... It's Look, this is 2021. The cars are not the problem. It's what you do with the cars and whether you have the amount of dollars for tires and, and, and all of that that you need. Um, you know, it, it, the minimum speed needs to be a lot higher than what it is, and it, need, and it should be strictly enforced, in my opinion. Yes, I absolutely agree, and it needs to be publicized as well. Yeah, uh, I I made the point to Jacob 
at Darlington, uh, Norm Benning was called for minimum speed despite the fact that Jennifer Jo Cobb was two miles per hour slower than him consistently. And yet she was never called to pit road. So it's definitely being selectively enforced. At least that's the vibe I'm getting. Whether or not that's accurate is another story. Uh, Noah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, it, it definitely needs to be enforced better. And it needs to be hired. I mean, there were so many. I scanned through uh, different teams throughout the race, any race that we do every weekend in NASCAR. And, and this weekend, there was one consistent thing on every single channel that I scanned through and that was problems with the 66 car and not to you know not to not to bash that team but uh, but oh, there was only one time that NASCAR did call that team down to fix their car the, the rule is you get one chance to come down fix it get it up to speed and then if you meet NASCAR's minimum speed uh, requirement then you are allowed to go back out and, and continue to participate if you don't you have to take it to the garage and you're done for the day uh i guess somehow the 66 reached minimum speed uh because nascar never said anything else to them however they continuously were slow around track and there were very many instances that could have caused major problems with especially with our top five and our leaders that i was scanning through throughout that race so Definitely tough to say, um, you know, without knowing the minimum speed and having it publicly given to us, we do need to have that. Um, however, it does need to be increased if these issues continue because this weekend in particular, there were a lot of instances that could have gone south in a hurry. It almost felt a little bit like an ARCA race, so to speak, where you have such high speed uh, differentials. And not only that, but also just take a look at what happened in the truck race as well between uh, Trey Hutchins, who, granted, he had power steering issues, cut a tire, and hit the wall. And then Giant Sawyer came in, can opener his truck. Yeah, there was that. And I was just getting ready to start to transition over to uh, the truck and Xfinity and ARCA races. And I guess, Seth, we can go right to the truck race and... We'll start there. Why not? Aside from uh, aside from John Hunter Nemechek winning the race, that was the uh, moment that stands out to everybody. Was Trey Hutchins, Johnny Sauter, Drew Dollar, and a minefield of debris that also included a tire, uh, basically falling out of the sky on the race winner's truck. Yeah, and John Hunter even said that he never saw it coming. Uh, it 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 was just a scary situation. Uh, it shouldn't have happened, but unfortunately, NASCAR was paying more attention to uh, Matt Crafton's expiring engine that happened at the exact same time on pit road. So there's going to be a caution regardless. Unfortunately, it just came a few seconds too late. Indeed, it did, and uh, we had, we had so we had that Noah. I think that was that that crash kind of stopped all of us for a minute because of the way it shredded the right side of Johnny Sauter's truck. I mean, it took a long time for that window net to come down, and I, for one, was particularly concerned about Johnny's safety there. It's one of the worst looking crashes that we've seen in a long time. Oh, absolutely. And not even just Johnny, but everyone involved. I think Johnny was just waiting on safety equipment and safety trucks to get to him before taking any precautions on getting out. But oh, my word. I mean, once we saw those replays, especially from certain angles in slow motion, that was terrifying, Jacob, quite simply put. I mean, 
the way that that truck came to a rest and you could see through it, you could see Johnny's legs and, and the roll bars and stuff. It's something you don't see very often. And, uh, and it was something that was very, very scary and, and just a product of circumstance, like Seth said, with Matt Crafton having issues at the same time and NASCAR looking at that. So, um, very, very scary, but again, a testament to our safety, uh, that we have at NASCAR and, and these vehicles that everyone was able to climb out of those vehicles safely because it was, like you said, something that we haven't seen in a, in a long while and something that definitely takes your breath away for a little while. If we're going to have a safety conversation, we also need to have a conversation about some of the things that I saw that didn't go right, and we can do that after this break, but we need to step aside. More Motorsports Madness right after this. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their car, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, this is Derek Krause, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert remaining with you as we continue to work through tonight's show. And right now, uh, talking trucks here from Charlotte Motor Speedway. And I want to go roundtable with this uh, this question here, talking about safety after the Johnny Sauter Trey Hutchins crash from Friday night. Uh, I was I the only one, Tom, confused at why it took safety so long to get to Johnny's truck, particularly with with that state of damage to it and the, and the level of concern that I feel like we all had. I mean, I, I, I was I was bothered that it took as long as it did before people finally got there. Yeah, I I thought that too, although I have to admit that for about a minute, I think I was honestly in a bit of shock just staring at that thing. I mean, it was one of those situations where you're looking at it going, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously... Um, you know, that all happened so quickly, and I don't know exactly where NASCAR parks uh, their equipment in relation to where that was, but I, I would have felt like there should have been a much faster response. Um, thankfully, Johnny was okay, but yeah, that was definitely disturbing, Jacob, but my gosh, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, the safety crews obviously need to be much quicker, and yet... Like I said, my own reaction was uh, it took me a minute to kind of realize that what I was looking at was real, the way that thing was torn up. Um, and so I think natural reaction is that you you kind of have to stop for a second and process it first. But, yeah, they sh they definitely should have been on on uh, the ball a little more. I don't know why they weren't, to be honest, but I'm sure there's a reason for it. Noah? Yeah, that's something you always have to, you know, look deeper into on, on why they weren't. But, of course, you do want to see safety trucks and safety vehicles getting to um, the drivers, especially one with a, with a truck that looks like that as quickly as possible. But like Tom said, yeah, it, it'd be good to know what exactly happened to kind of limit the uh, the fast pace that we usually see with the AMR safety crew and everyone that, that goes out to make sure these drivers are okay um, because usually they, they typically are on the ball. I mean, usually there are a number of places around the track where they can quickly get out and get to the drivers in need of assistance and, and making sure that they're in front of those vehicles to make sure that no other vehicles are coming around to, uh, to possibly hit uh, the stopped race trucks or race cars. So, um, so it, it would be interesting to know, and, and obviously we want to see uh, those safety crews get there as quickly as they can. Seth? Also, with how much debris there was, is anybody else shocked that they didn't red flag the race? Yes. I mean, yes. That, that's where I was. Uh, at, that's where I was dumbfounded. I, if I remember correctly, I think it might have been Chandler Smith. Uh, if it wasn't him, it was definitely one of the other uh, Toyotas that ran through the debris, actually cut a tire, and had to go back down the pit road. And I so it was just one of those it was a hazard for the trucks on track under caution and it was wasting laps to quote jim other 
you did just quote Jim Utter on this show. Wow. Okay. Um, I, one more quick around the table here, and then we'll get a quick thought on Xfinity and before our performance picks. Was this a statement win by John Hunter Nemechek? Seth? Yes. Any further thought? <laughs> uh, it is a statement win. Uh, it's the first one that he's actually won without Kyle Busch actually being in the field this year, if you think about it. So he proved he can do it without the boss man on track. Uh, but that being said, uh, it, it just adds to his tally. He has uh, a, a bigger lead, a, more playoff points. Uh, he's cruising to the playoffs right now. Tom's going to give you 40 lashes with a wet pool noodle. Tom. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about why and where. Um, you know, I will say for my part with the JHN um, conversation, though, I picked him to win, and I believe that he was going to be the truck to beat. John Hunter is, in my opinion, the single truck that the championship goes through this year. I know Sheldon Creed's raced well, Ben Rhodes has raced well, but right now I think that John Hunter Nemechek is the truck to beat, though, obviously, Jacob, we have to keep in mind that it comes down to a one-race shootout, but if you got to lay odds on favorites for the championship, I think you put JHN at the top of the board right now. Noah. Uh, is it a statement win? No, I would not say it's a statement win, but I think it adds to all of his wins that are a huge statement. Um, and, and that's because, like Tom said, it's just he's become so dominant and so consistent. I also picked him this weekend. I'm excited to talk a little bit about fantasy and, and uh, get our picks in for the weekend because mine uh, did pretty daggone well this last one. <laughs> but uh, but. I had to throw that in there, you know. Uh, but is it a statement win? I would say no. But just in general, John Hunter is making a statement uh, in the truck series right now. Fair enough. Now to Xfinity. And if you want to talk about a statement win, I guess, uh, Tom, we can go to Ty Gibbs on this one. Two wins in six starts, five top five finishes. We knew the kid had talent, but good grief. I don't think I expected this. Didn't? Why not? I mean... I know he's good, but I felt like it was a huge step up in terms of the caliber of cars that he was racing against, even though he was going to be in the best equipment, and I thought that it would take him longer to be able to learn how to race with the big dogs, and he's proven me wrong. See, that's interesting because I didn't uh, feel that way at all. Um, I mean, really, if you look at both the truck and the Xfinity series, if we broaden things out a little bit and you look at these drivers that are coming up through the ranks now, the amount of experience that they get at the lower levels, running at a lot of the same tracks that they'll run at when they get to the trucks and get to the Xfinity series. Um, you know, I feel like somebody like Ty Gibbs, um, I mean, he, he's as ready to go and win at the Xfinity level as you know, anybody that, that, that arrives there with, with having driven his way all the way up through the ranks. And he's always been in the best equipment too. Now, um, with that being said, you know, you look at drivers that come up through the ranks and maybe they don't have the best equipment. Um, you know, 
then I'm not really sure at this point if, you know, if, if we expect, and to me, I, um, Seth mentioned Riley Herbst um, in the chat. I'm a little disappointed with Riley right now at this stage of the game in the Xfinity series, because uh, while Riley got the pole, he didn't race well. And I feel like Riley for the caliber of equipment he's had the last two years has underperformed. Um, and I'm waiting for that, that moment for him where, um, you know, he comes and, and, and shows us why he deserves to be in a, in a championship caliber Xfinity series car. I've not seen that yet out of Riley. And I, I hope I do soon because I really want to believe in him. Seth, quick thoughts on Xfinity from your seat. Uh, it's not every day you get spin and win in the Xfinity series. So Ty was able to accomplish that fairly early in his career. But, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, as uh, Tom mentioned, I did uh, talk about Riley Herbst in the chat. Uh, Riley has six top five finishes and 55 starts in the Xfinity series. Ty has five in six starts. Um, and Riley has been in the top equipment. I almost get the feeling that he's starting to get to the point where if he doesn't perform, there's not much left for Riley in Xfinity or NASCAR, if at least at the level he's at right now, maybe go back down to the truck series, but he needs to start performing ASAP. Even in the truck series, Noah, Riley Herbst wasn't impressive. I feel like I'm not seeing anything different than what I've seen the last three years out of him, unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunate, you know, Riley, uh, with, with, you know, some, some backing from Monster Energy and a few other things, but, but it is, it is interesting, Jacob, because, you know, you have, we've mentioned he's been in top equipment, Joe Gibbs Racing, Stuart Haas Racing now, we saw the 98 car last season putting him to rest, um, so, you know, Riley's not new to this, to this series, he's not new, so it should uh, be time for him to start picking up performance most definitely I do want to say one guy that I wasn't shocked about who we opened the the question talking about is Ty Gibbs this weekend uh, cough cough another pick that I had for fantasy and and that kid is really you know he he has come a long way since his first start and actually since that Arca race in Daytona where he got a lot of backlash over uh, some of the things he said and then came back and won the road course race so he has come a long way already in just this season and I think Ty Gibbs has really shown something and I'll tell you another guy that is looking at Ty Gibbs and and kind of I'm sure uh, happy to be his teammate but also kind of sad to see what he's already done and that's Daniel Hemrick I I'm gutted for for him this weekend after having such a strong run and then uh then not being able to get to the finish a few penalties and, and then a crash to end his day but now Daniel without any wins in the top three series after many years in competition and now at Joe Gibbs Racing seeing Ty Gibbs jump in for his first few starts and already putting two on the board Tom yeah, I agree for sure I think Ty the point I was going to make with Ty is exactly what you said ever since that that ARCA post race Ty has matured in a way that I don't think any of us would have expected him to and I really give him a lot of credit right now because if he continues to profess his faith the way he has, and he stays humble and, and shows us that sort of young and playful personality he's got, his fan base is going to swell and he's going to make a big impact 
for a long time on a lot of people in this sport, that kid can flat drive a car. Yes, he can. And with that, we're going to quickly squeeze in fantasy here. I'm in the basement. Seth is ahead of me. Tom is ahead of Seth. And some weekend sweep guy puts Noah all the way to the top because Nick DeGroot finally had a lackluster weekend. So I'm going to start, and I'm going to make this real simple. Mid-Ohio Xfinity, A.J. Allmendinger. Sonoma Cup, three-peat hat trick Martin Truex Jr. Seth. Ty Gibbs at Mid-Ohio and Chase Elliott at Sonoma. Okay, Tom. Well, I'm a two-inch limb guy at huh. this point, so I'm going with Ty Gibbs again, as Seth said, at Mid-Ohio. Uh, and at uh, Sonoma, I'm actually going to take a little bit, just a little bit of a flyer here and say Kyle Busch. By the way, Noah, I should reference that you got 30 bonus points for your weekend sweep. Even without the bonus points, you would still be leading the standings by eight. So congratulations. I know I'm so happy. I can't believe it. I was fourth and thought I was out of this hunt, and now I'm to the top uh, going after the Charlotte. But my picks, mid-Ohio, I'm going to say it will be uh, Austin Sendrick and Victor Lane. And then for Sonoma, I'm going to go with William Byron. Ooh, interesting pick. I like that. Uh, that's a little bit different. Byron's been solid, maybe not spectacular on uh, road courses, but... Uh... It'll be interesting. I think Sonoma's, I hope Sonoma is going to be a good race this weekend. I have high hopes for it after, uh, you know, some of what we've seen the last couple of years and just getting back to Sonoma after we couldn't go there in 2020. So we're going to step aside, take our final break. White flag coming out right after this. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. 
Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot, but he didn't lose his heart. When you tackle a challenge that you just cannot even fathom tackling, when you accomplish that, the amount of integrity and the will and the heart that you'll get from that experience is what will set you up for your life. In less time than it took Marlon Shirley to say that, he can now run 100 meters because today he's the world's fastest amputee. Overcoming. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. Hi, this is Chandler Smith, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. It is the final lap on Motorsports Madness. That means it's time for final thoughts from our roundtable. We'll go to Tom, then Noah, then Seth in that order. Tom, kick it off. What do you got? Final thoughts. Uh, Most amazing Indy 500 in recent memory looking forward my final thought would be two road courses this weekend two different road courses for xfinity and cups should be very interesting to see how this goes noah yeah my final my final thoughts uh are that one i am excited that we are headed back to sonoma we didn't get to go there last season so i'm very happy that we're going to hit that track again over in california and, uh, and secondly, as Tom mentioned, coming off of a great weekend uh, full of patriotism at both the Indy 500 and the, uh, the Coke 600 at Charlotte. So that was truly fun to see. Lots of great momentum heading into a couple road courses, Seth. Uh, for me, my final thought, uh, Ryan Vargas has talked a little bit about it on Facebook today. Uh, he lost his crew chief or car chief uh, yesterday. Brian Lear uh, passed away. Uh, thinking of him and the whole uh, JD Motorsports team. I agree with that, Seth, and I think it gives us an opening, uh, not just because we're coming off Memorial Day, but in general to uh, say, hug your loved ones a little bit tighter because you never know uh, what could happen, as we saw with the JD family and with uh, with Vargas here over the weekend. That's going to do it for this edition of Motorsports Madness. We thank you for tuning in, and you can check us out on demand all the time on SoundCloud at Race Chaser Radio or wherever you take in your favorite podcasts. For Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert, I'm Jacob Seelman. Keep it off the wall, and we'll see you next time here on The Madness till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness powered by MyComputerCareer.edu. Training for a better life. You can be an IT professional in as little as four months. Visit MyComputerCareer.edu and take the free career evaluation test today. Motorsports Madness, a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsports content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.